Garage Logic Pod. No. See what you do? <laughs> Fratelloni's <laughs> Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 333, Feb 28, 2020. It was 57 degrees on this day in 1932 and 26 below in 1962. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. In our uh, never-ending but occasional series of meeting GLers who are out fighting the good fight, we are joined by Tim Tollison today. Tim, you're originally from Esco, Minnesota. Yep, Long Tong resident since uh, 1968. Where are you living now? Right there. Oh, in Esco. Okay. Tim uh, was a fire, is a firefighter who fought the fires in Australia when, Tim? December and January? Yes, this is my second trip down there. I did it in 2014 for the season. Yep. And uh, this year, there were... <clears throat> you having a Roycey-like gas attack, yeah, Tim? it didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> in December, I did two weeks, came home for the holidays, and then went back down there for uh, about a... 40-day stretch. How does that happen? How did it come to be that a guy from ESCO ends up fighting fires in Australia? Well, that's a long story, and uh, I work for a contractor based out in Washington State, mm-hmm. and uh, we're owned by a company up in Canada who has a contract with the Australians. Okay. And on occasion, they need a little support on their pilot side. Are you I, a pilot of a tanker? I am. Explain that. Explain what that was like. Well... Doing what we do, we're a contractor. Mm-hmm. My main work is the U.S. season over here, working for the U.S. forestry. And usually in the off-season, the winter on there, I'm back at home resting. The, in, of course, our winter is their summer, so I kind of did double duty this year going down there helping out. Right. But uh, explain the tanker. Do you drop down and pick up loads from lakes, or do you fill it and then take off? No, we're not a scooper. We are a tanker. It's a uh, large aircraft that lands at the airports. We go to a tanker base. They hook a hose up to us here, and we put on 3,000 gallons of retardant. Wow. Very very similar to like a NASCAR pit stop. I pull into a pit. They stop me. They hook up a hose. Six minutes later, there's the green light. Six minutes. Are you doing that multiple times a day? As many as you can do. Really? What, what What was the... the nature of the fire in terms of, have you seen such fire destruction before? Uh, yes. I've okay. been in, you know, involved with the California seasons just about every year. And no matter where I am working in the United States, we always, towards the end of the year, end up in California. Right. And you've seen on the media some of the destruction associated with the California fires out there. Now, Tim, we learned, I, I recognize your name because I think you've emailed somewhat uh, frequently. Well, on occasion, you know, I was uh, sitting down in Australia in 2014, yeah. casually listening to the pod, or not the COD podcast back then, but on the radio via the interwebs, and uh, I just about fell off my chair when you mentioned my letter on here, and I was back looking for the old push pin. Yeah, and we, we did we get you a push pin, or did the <laughs> fellas manage to follow that up? You know, it, it took a while there. I I, I don't think so it occurred. I think we're still working the technology <laughs> into things, but I, rem- I appreciate the effort. I remember him comes. being persistent, politely persistent, politely <laughs> persistent. When does your U.S. season start? I will be on a plane on Sunday and, and Spokane on Monday morning. 
How many of there are you? This sounds uh, like a terribly specialized calling. It, it really is. It really is in there. There's not a whole group of us, I would imagine, in the United States, especially the larger air tankers. There's not that many on there. And, you know, it's, it's less than, you know, I want to say 60, 70 guys. What, what are the particular dangers that you might face as opposed to a pilot not doing your work? Well, you know, I'm an ex-airline uh, pilot yeah. in there, so I'm very familiar with that world on there. And the best way I can describe it is how it was described to me by my instructor when I got into this industry on there. Uh, have you guys done the old road up to Pikes Peak? I have not. Maybe Kenny, have you? No, I've never been to Pikes okay. Peak. Okay. I've been on many mountain passes. You know, it works your way right to the top there, and it's a winding road with a lot of exposure. You know, if you're to wander off the edge, you're going down a long way. Is ways it comparable on. to the Beartooth? You know, I'm not. I haven't done the Beartooth on uh, there. That, when you said that, that reminds me of the Beartooth. Pass. Yeah, and you know, as you're going up a road like that, what are your instincts as a human being? Kind of state of the inside. Yes, right. <laughs> That's yes. kind of what we do. Yes. And how I equate this to the kind of flying we do is, we're going up that mountain, but we've got two tires on the edge the whole time. Oh, really? Because. Oh. You, you just don't have a lot of room between you and the ground as you're operating at times. And if you go off the edge, yeah, there you are. How, how long does it take to dispatch 3,000 gallons? It, we can do it as quickly as four seconds. Oh, wow. my God. So, so like you a, pick a hot spot, and that's... Yes, and most of the time, the, the majority of the time there, we've got some guidance out there, some people that are overseeing our work up above in airplanes, and most of the time oh. a lead plane in front of me to kind of bring me in and say, put it right here. Oh, fascinating. On occasion, I'm on my own, but most of the time the fires are big enough where I'm, I'm, I'm just one of many airplanes in and out, in and out, as we could uh, we've, do our work. We've all seen the video, right? You've oh, yeah. seen How many feet, av- on average, how many feet off the ground? When you, when you dump. We, our target is about 175 feet. <laughs> so the tires are on the edge of the road there, yeah. and, and you're looking at the earth right in front of you there. And the challenge is it's, it's most common to be doing it in the, in the mountains. Yeah. So this 175 feet is, is yeah. not on a level terrain out it there. It could so change quickly. Thus the challenge. Yeah. Is anybody in the plane with you? Uh, in the aircraft I fly right now, there's a two-man crew, me and a first officer. Mm-hmm. And how many times, you said you can you, you put back down for new water, and you say as, as many times as you can, but what, what does that typically, how often do you do that? It's all a function of how far you're going to the fire. Okay. So if it's a real close fire, and I've worked fires where you literally are on the ground looking at the fire, right? Oh. and it's just a matter of back and forth as many times as you can, and oh. that can be you know, 15 times, 20 times a day back and forth or if, if you're doing a duration on there uh you know eight legs ten legs a day is considered a a, a, a you know a busy day if it's a longer duration are, are there the private fires. companies that do this that, yeah yeah and that's, and like, that's who you're employed um, by. i'm employed by a company based in spokane washington yeah and we uh bid on contracts with the uh, federal forestry people and Why would you have left commercial piloting for this oh, oh god it seems obvious I, to yeah, me I, I had no choice Oh, really? I can't tell you the pay cut I initially took for this opportunity. Really? It would mm-hmm. be embarrassing. In oh. other words, you, well, I, help me understand. What do you mean you had no choice? You want to drive a bus oh, or I do just, you want to drive yeah. a Ferrari? Yeah, I did the airline thing. It's really great. And and I worked for, started with Masaba Airlines based out of Minneapolis, yeah. owned by Northwest. Yeah. And when I found out that one of the airplanes that I had ex- extensive experience in flying for Masaba is being used for this, it was just something I just had to. I just had to do. I just had to do on there. 
No, the pay cut I took, it's all come back. I'm doing just fine. As they say, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm doing just fine yeah. out there. Flight benefits took a hit, but that's okay, too. <laughs> you know what? I'm just old enough where I was able to kind of slip out the back okay. door as a retiree. Smart. Yeah. You're, oh, fi- you're 59. You're 59. Yes. Uh, uh, Tim Tollison's also with you. That'd be young Tim. Yes. How old is young Tim? Oh, how, how old are you now? 34 here. 34. Are you a pilot, Tim? I have hours logged, but um, just obligations of life. I haven't been able to fulfill okay. anything All right. So I, I just have one more question about the flying. It um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You have to throttle down to get that low. You know what I mean? Reduce your airspeed. Yes. I, it, walk me through it from coming in at elevation, dropping down, and then rising back up. What are you doing? What's the process? Sure. Anything above ten thousand feet, I'm going at least three hundred miles an hour to get there. From there, I'll slow down to two fifty below ten thousand, which is standard in the industry of flying. And then uh, it's just it's no different than coming into a landing at an airfield. I'm going to bring the flaps down. I'm going to slow the aircraft down to as slow as I can maneuver it in there. The only thing that you don't do is the, you don't put the gear down. So it'll be down as slow as on the drop speed, maybe 125 to 130 knots. Wow. You know, 135 miles an hour. Oh, so are you ever in visibility problems? Well, what comes with fire? Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Lots of smoke on there, and especially of areas with uh, numerous fires, you're going to have just immense smoke that covers a, a, you know, a lot of what you're doing on there. And sometimes it shuts us down. I mean, if you can't see where you're going, it's time what to about call the, What about the weight of, you've you're, you got a full tank, and then all of a sudden you don't have a full tank. Mm-hmm. That's quite a bit of weight loss. What happens to your stability? Yeah, with 3,000 gallons, that's about 27,000 pounds that we're letting go on there. And the aircraft has been designed by our our parent company up in Canada, and their engineers have done a fabulous job. You do get the sensation that you're being lifted back in the air, but it's really manageable. It's no different than taking 85 passengers, which the aircraft would normally carry, and boom, they're gone. Based on your career, do you have thoughts about forestry management? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, great many thoughts, some of them on the political side. And uh, I think Welcome to GL. Yeah, yeah, we could go down that path. <laughs> down the well, our, our, and let me rephrase it. The California fires you fought, have you fought uh, uh, the cave fire? And uh, what's the town where... Uh, Paradise? Paradise. Paradise. Were you involved in that? Actually, I was on my way to the Paradise fire, and I made it as far as the Minneapolis airport that day, and I wasn't feeling well. So I was right back up to Duluth to get some... Oh. Some doctoring attention on there. I'm just fine on there, but I was on my way. But I've, I've worked numerous of the big fires on there, and they're all the same. Fire's fire. But, uh, do you think many of them are brought about by poor forestry management that's been caused by extreme environmentalism, which prevents thinning out the brush? Yes, yes, and yes. All right. There's a lot of underbrush on there, and, and we're no dif- different here in Minnesota at, at the Boundary Waters up there. We had some of that blowdown years back mm-hmm. that is ready to go. Yeah, so one of these years, we're going to have ourselves some work where I can actually come home and do some work. Yeah. What uh, kind of plane you is You say it? that with such confidence. It's a, it's a, that's a bummer. Well, is the only thing saving us because it's winter half the year? No, it's just a... It, We've just gotten lucky, right? Well, it's just a matter of time everywhere on there. It's, uh, Mother Nature is extremely fair in everything. So what's dry gets wet, what wet does dry, what needs to burn will burn. It's just a matter of time. No matter where I am, it's usually dry because I'm working. But mm-hmm. if it does get wet, I just move someplace where there are fires in the U.S. where they direct me to that it's a very fair environment out there. So I'm sure it's just a matter of time up there before we have the big one. Mm. And I'll get a chance to come back to Minnesota and work. 
California oh. right now is worried about a drought situation because they're having such a dry winter. Yeah, and that's kind of ongoing. I think they made a little progress last year, but that certainly doesn't stop the fires from starting off. I don't yeah. think California, and maybe this is true elsewhere, they don't seem to have the kind of political leadership that would predispose them to making this a priority, to keep the state from burning. No, and, and uh, I think that's going to be an ongoing issue that's going to be uh, still being talked about long after I'm retired, that the politics as it connects to the work done out there is no different than any industry you're involved with out there. Sometimes there is a big disconnect on there. What kind of aircraft is it? It is an Avro RJ-85 built by British Aerospace, and it was originally designed as a regional aircraft, thus why I flew it at Masaba, mm-hmm. designed for 85 passengers. Is that a prop jet? No, it's a uh, jet with four in, four jet engines. Really? Hmm. In there, so it's high wing, hanging four engines down below it, and uh, and uh, it's a classic uh, aircraft. Yeah, very <laughs> a fun aircraft. I got it wrong. Yeah, I'm being shown a picture of it. Oh yeah, fantastic. I'll pass that around the room. Yeah. We all want to see that. That's baby. just fantastic. And the parent con- company I work for, uh, that owns us up in Canada, is, is the name of their corporation wow. is Conair. Just like the movie, they've been around for many, many decades. Their engineers are quite talented to take an airliner and kind of throw $200 million towards it, and next thing you know, you have a tanker. Yeah. So it's it's a large business out there, and the aircraft uh, is performing well beyond expectations on there for a guy that flew it in the airlines. It's just a pleasure to fly this. Is there a fleet of these, or are these in high demand, or just at the ready? There is a fleet, but they're being slowly retired from the airlines because they're not the most fuel-efficient aircraft if you take a look at the four engines on there. But doing what we're doing, it's an outstanding aircraft built by the Brits, very stout, wings are very stiff, good good aircraft on there. And uh, they are becoming more and more available as the airlines in Europe are retiring them. So not only do we have a fleet of them here, maybe 11, 12, 13, I lose track, but we've got just as many just sitting on the side ready to go, being replacements or whatever we need them for. That's a badass-looking plane. Yeah. Oh, it's that's, a hoot. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and the, you, you the, said, go the, ahead. The wing runs across the top of the fuselage. It does. Yeah, and then the engines hang off of that. Mm-hmm. Or the yeah. You I, say, you, you, it sounds like you're in an exclusive club, that there's about 60 of you, you said. You know, and that's just a rough guess, Joe, and they're just, uh, the aircraft we fly this particular size, oh, there's, oh, there's kind of... Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, we're looking at <laughs> the great You picture. gave us a calendar yeah. full of pictures, and they're just amazing yeah. photos. And those are just snapshots. If I could kind of give you a, a, what my eye sees oh, some geez. days, you'd understand why this job is a little alluring on there, and yeah. if my well, situation, gonna, gonna, I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to keep doing this till they kick me I out. I don't blame you. I was going to wonder how competitive is it to get your seat how competitive is it in the airline industry there has to be other pilots yeah. that find this alluring there is there is on there and i had a very difficult time getting this job thus mm-hmm. the the huge pay cut i can be pretty tenacious and i kept calling the uh, the company owner down in the states here and it took me almost a year to get an opportunity to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them and mm-hmm. that cup of coffee turned into eight hours and at the end of the eight hours, he just said, you might be crazy enough to do this. <laughs> All right. And uh, I said, let's go. Wow. Let's go. So what led to your flying career? Did you Were you in the service? No, I wasn't. Uh, back in the 80s, I owned a, a contracting firm based up, up out of Esco Cloquet up there that worked for utility companies. As part of my role there, I would occasionally go, go excuse me, <clears throat> I would go up in the company 
helicopter to take a look at the power lines for contracting. And one sure. day I looked at the helicopter pilot and said, I got to get me a job like that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, do you fly privately? Do you own any, uh, any aircraft yourself that you just goof around with? I do. I have a little tail dragger up at Cloquet that I fly. What is it? It's a home-built aircraft that I built in my garage, like a true oh, GLR does. Yeah, nice. And uh, so that's up at Cloquet, and I just recently purchased a little Cessna 150. My other son, Dan, is up there, as we speak, working on his commercial license in that little airplane getting going. Is there that a helps. Mrs. Tollison? Pardon? Is there a Mrs. Tollison? There is the CP back home. The on CP. <laughs> well, how does she feel about your career choice? It's a living. <laughs> you know, we all do what we got to do. <laughs> that is as diplomatic an answer as I've ever heard. Yeah. You win. Wait, yeah. time out. How much time did she spend in the garage with you building that little plane? None. Okay. <laughs> Even better. Well, so she never female fun uh, limitation factored you. I am the luckiest guy in the world on there. On occasion, when she sees me frumping around on there, she'll say, when was the last time you had a new motorcycle? Get your butt up there and get something. Really? Wow. So you don't I, even wow. have to use the 48-hour nice. rule. I don't. I don't. I can... I can what about the three on. prices you pay? The price you paid, the price you told her you paid, the price you pay when she finds out the price you paid? It's a pretty pre- pretty cheap price. I'm in good shape. <laughs> good, man. That's, that's good. Man. Wow. That's good. Just yeah. like you, Joe. Just like that you. works just that way. <laughs> right. There's never enough room in the garage for the toys. So do you it. think you could ever, uh, in my area, I have a place up in farm country, and I'm just enamored watching the spray crop, guys. Mm-hmm. You think you could ever do that? Is that? Are, are, I Why say, would you do that after you fight fires but, in Australia? Oh, you should see him. You, it's. I'm asking because it looks like it'd be really attractive for somebody <laughs> like you. I could sit and watch those guys all day long. Yeah. You just sit inside the road and watch those guys do their thing on there, and absolutely on there. In that sector of the flying is a, is a source that we go to. I would say we've got a, a, a quite a bit of guys that maybe have done that. Uh, we're getting quite a few guys from the airlines, Masaba, with my connections up there, the guys that flew this airplane. I think we've got s- at least seven Masaba guys at the company now. Are the Australian fires controlled now? Is that We don't hear about it in the news anymore. They're fairly common in Australia. Was that your first time fighting fires in Australia? Uh, 2014, th- 2014, 2014 yep, that's right. I did a, a stretch down there a winter, you know, their summer. And uh, this year on there, but they get their fires every single year. Right. This year was a little bit more traumatic for them down there. They had a loss, loss of life mm-hmm. and uh, numerous properties. And uh, on, a, on the typical day when we were busy down there, there was over 130 ongoing fires yep. that they were trying to manage. And with the small towns getting in the way, you know, it, 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 it turned into a lot of work. For when them. you're on the job, is it called a deployment? We are firemen that sit at a base waiting for the bell to go off, no different than a fire station. So there may be long stretches of time where I'm listening to the podcast, kicking back, and all of a sudden the bell goes off. Time to go to work. Nice to be able to hit pause, right? Nice to hit pause. (laughs) Typically, how long would you be gone from home? Uh, that can vary on there. Our company has been very generous with, with us on there. My schedule last summer was two weeks on, two weeks off. Okay. Which is a wonderful schedule, mm-hmm. considering that typically you get your winters off also. And two weeks on means you're at a base. You're at a waiting base. Waiting for the bell to ring. Which could be a numerous amount of bases out west, mm-hmm. all the way up to in Minnesota, Hibbing, Bemidji, mm-hmm. Brainerd. But in California, these bases are up and down the state, and they move you around at any given hour. I don't know why I'm surprised, but I'm surprised to learn that there are uh, privately owned companies that do this. 
I, I didn't. That did not occur to me. I thought this was always forestry pilots or forest yeah. service pilots right. or whatever. And, and on occasion, in in the history, it may have had stretches like that. But for the majority of the time in the history on there, it's been contracted. Mm-hmm. When you, I'm, I'm looking through the pictures on your website at, at Conair, and there's some great aerial footage. What is the difference between when you drop uh, fire retardant, like the the red colored stuff, versus you're just dumping water? The difference How there, the, well, the main difference is we're told what to drop, or in our case in Australia, we literally ran out of retardant okay. on some days. So all they could do is put some water mixed with the gel on board. <clears throat> and, and the technique would be different on there. With the retardant, we're trying to get in front of the flames to build kind of a wall to retard the flames to give the, all the real true troops on the ground a fighting chance. With the water, we'll put it directly on the flames to try to put it out. Okay. What would the situation, what would our fire situation be in the world if, if they were not being fought from the air? You know, I don't think it would be any different. Oh. You know, we're going to have fires no matter what we do. Mother Nature will determine all this. No, but does the flying aspect of it mitigate these fires? It will. On, on the fires there, <laughs> the best we can do is give the troops on the ground, yep. like I say, a fighting chance. Okay. But if Mother Nature decides to have a really windy, hot day, all we can do is get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And there's wow. nothing we can do. Now, when, when Mother Nature gives us an opportunity with the winds drying, dropping down or the visibility increases, we will go to work, try to do as much protection on structures, uh, utilities, anything of value that helps out you know, society as a whole on there. But, but there's some days there's just nothing you can do. What weather conditions keep you grounded? Smoke. Yep. Wind, if yep. it's too windy, yep. which is which is too bad because that's when we're really needed. Yeah. But there's a point. I've dropped this retardant next to a fire line, and because of the turbulence of the of the wind and the conditions, the retardant just never hit the ground. Isn't that mm-hmm. something? It gets pulled into the flames, oh. and it just races up into the sky and disappears into the smoke on there. And obviously, at that point, I'm not doing much good. Risk reward tells mm-hmm. you to go park the airplane mm-hmm. and wait for better conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it sounds like there's a bit of daredeviltry involved. Oh, uh, not, not that you not that you would be purposely r- uh, risk taking, but it sounds to me like you your your skill level had to improve to do this. It this has been the most challenging thing I've done, but I would not use that term okay. daredevil at all. All right, you know if we can't approach this in a very professional way, it would be dangerous. So that leads me to practice. Uh, qu- excuse me, ask you questions mm-hmm. about practicing. Mm-hmm. And learning, are there mm-hmm. programs to teach new pilots? And do you, like, say you haven't been in the air or fought a fire in four months, do you have to train a little bit before you go back to work? We do here, and uh, I can't even talk more about that until I just remind everybody that my company, Aeroflight, based in Spokane, has a great leadership there that gives us this envelope that we work underneath here. And we've got some excellent instructors that I'll be working with during these off-season to, to keep my skills sharp. Mm-hmm. Wonderful group of guys there that do their part. And our maintenance department, I wish you had a chance to peek in our hangar today out there. Wow. It's, a, it's just filled with these airplanes in, in different states of maintenance, maintenance going on, yeah. getting sure. us ready. Sure. And when they do kick that airplane out ready for me to go to work coming up here, I don't go anywhere without two mechanics, a driver, in a big long trailer with parts. I've got huge amounts of support that when I do climb up this ladder, these guys have done all the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've got myself an airplane wow. that I can safely go about my business. Did you fly one of your company's airplanes from Spokane to Australia? 
Uh, I, I brought one back back in 2014, mm-hmm. and it's quite the adventure because these are regional aircraft, not meant to go across yeah. the ocean. Where, where do you find gas stations? <laughs> well, there's a lot of water out there. <laughs> and what we do is we take these ru- rubber fuel bladders and put them in the back of the Avro, the airplane. 500-gallon bladders, five of them. Huh. So we carry our own fuel with wow. us wow. to get us to Hawaii. And cool. That's the biggest leg. When that's you it. fought in Australia this time around, did you just fly commercially to Australia and that you were put into a plane that was already there? Yes, yes. There was a plane on duty there with our parent company, Conair. Right. So I just, like I said, I supplemented their flight crews. And they're still over there right today working with the aircraft, just a, just a different crew. And mm-hmm. I came home on the airlines on, on Monday, so I'm still... And flipping through your, uh, you brought this calendar here mm-hmm. from Conair. Uh, they have anniversaries of guys that have worked there. Yeah. This is all. Uh, Larry's been there forty years. John's been there thirty-five years. So these guys aren't rookies. These almost everyone is an gig. average of yeah. twenty-five to forty years. Is there an age at which you will be prevented from doing this? Uh, we have to all get a flight physical once per year, and that's what will slow us. You know, I'm going to do it until I can't pass my physics. All right. So you're flying the RJ85, correct? <laughs> Are you also qualified to fly the Q400MR, which looks like the smaller prop job? That is brand new. With the uh, corporation has sold, uh, I believe, eight of them to France. So those are the pictures you're seeing. But yeah. we were receiving our first one this summer. Okay. And uh, I have asked to be cross-trained, and due to my extensive experience in this aircraft, it's probably best I just stay in it. Okay. Do, right. Have you ever flown a scooper? No, they won't let me. Well, Even though you beg. <laughs> I have. I have. Have you ever been along for a flight on I one have. of those? Uh, what's the drag like? Uh, that When you scoop that water up, it's, I mean, it's really drastically got to slow you down, right? It does on there, and uh, they, they scoop, I believe it's uh, 1,600 gallons in a matter of seconds. And it's amazing because the size of the scoop is only about four inches by twelve inches. Really? It just but the speed, the amount of movement through down there fills it up on there. They land and they're at full power huh. to overcome that drag. How really? wow. how good does it feel to you personally when you can see the effects of of dropping that water? When you can see the results. Well, there are occasions on there it's quite satisfying. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen some scenes down there that uh, are quite heart-tugging as you're going over the top, what you're seeing down below oh, there. I can't even imagine. And sometimes it's not just human beings or structures. Sometimes it's animals. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, a, a herd of cattle, cattle trapped in a pen. Yep. Yeah. You know, some things on yeah. there or just somebody's beautiful house they've worked their whole life for. And you come back the next day and you see that the flames have stopped where you put that retardant. Oh, Isn't that something? In there. So on occasion, yeah, it, it, can be, it can be quite satisfying. What's the difference between retardant and water? The retardant is water mixed with a powder slurry, which gives it some sticking ability. So when I drop the retardant on the, on the fuels, on yep. there, it will coat them. Okay. So when the flames get there, it, it, they're not so easily to burn. So, so you might drop retardant where... The forest is not currently burning. Yeah, in front Correct. of the fire. Okay. Correct, in All front. Right. Yep. So on, it's very common on the big fires for us to be building lines. Water is dropped on active flames. Yes. It right. doesn't do much good right. to put it too far in front because it simply will evaporate. Right. Where this slurry is kind of like, we call it mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little heavier, a little consistent, thus, thus weighing about nine pounds per gallon. Mm-hmm. As opposed to water, seven pounds per Approximately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tim, how long have you been a GLer? Oh, I can't keep track. It was well into my, uh, into the airlines. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I lose track of the decades. 
Well, we, ever... we enjoy meeting GLers that, mm -hmm. like yourself that have these extraordinary careers. It's fascinating. Well, outstanding. Well, I really appreciate having you guys in here. You can only imagine my surprise to wake up with this invitation in <laughs> well, Australia. Our, our pleasure. Where our were pleasure. you in Australia? Geelong. Uh, Geelong? That was the first gig this last time on there. I was in Richmond, which was near Penrith, near Sydney. Okay, I mm -hmm. just want to give you this then. <laughs> They're all set. Push bin activated. Only six Thank years you. later, we Thank finally you. got it. Hey, we got it worked out. <laughs> it only took me a, a visit down here with a stern look to get her done. Tim, on have you ever met Rookie's friend at the airport? <laughs> you know, I think I have. And that's all I'm going to say. Thank you very much. So, that's Tim, great. before we let you go, uh, GLers want to wish you the best. You are flying out Sunday mm -hmm. to Spokane, mm -hmm. and then you'll be on call. Yes, I'm going to be in Spokane for the week for our oh. annual get-together of all our pilots will come together for some ground school. Right. And then we'll take a few of these airplanes down into California into some better weather right. to start the actual training to get us ready to go. Wow. And I think I'll be going on duty, actually going to work maybe about April 5th, give or take. So uh, after this trip to Spokane, you'll get back to ESCO before you're on duty? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. And just for the record, none of these are ferry flights where you can just hop on board, right? No. Okay. Yes. Well, we just don't to, have any seats. You're trying to weasel your way onto one of these. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. You, 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 would, could you, you would be terrified. You would be terrified. In the back seat. John, could you do it? Uh, no. 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 Yeah, there's no drink cart. There's no nothing in this airplane. Everything is Can I get out. some more peanuts? I'm going to go yeah. sleep on the water beds. they got five water beds in back. No, those are bladders of gas. <laughs> yes, Alita. They'll be back there having, having Matthew, a smoke. Matthew, the bathroom is your pants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just sit there and go like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you Tim, thank you. Well, thank you guys. It's been a awesome. very pleasure, uh, much of a pleasure to meet you, and uh, good luck. Yeah. You're, you're doing the Lord's work. It's, it's fantastic. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, been, thank you. It's been, been a pleasure. We'll be back. The earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. I got an interesting note from uh, Alex Todd, who was telling me about some of the uh, uh, conditions on public transportation in Rochester, where he's been uh, in the business for more than 22 years. But he added a very interesting P.S. I also love interesting cars. I've owned a couple of Saabs, a couple of Volvos, a magnificent old Benz, and a whole bunch of Volkswagens. In addition to my 72 MG Midget, my current daily is a 2016 Volkswagen Golf Manual. I didn't get mine at Schmelz, unfortunately, but I really think the regular old base model Golf Volkswagen may very well be the best bang for the buck in the VW lineup. With the turbo engine and stick shift, it's a blasted drive. My whole family fits in it, and it gets 42 miles to the gallon on regular gas. Even the base model is very well equipped and rather handsome, if I do say so myself. Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen is where you can pick up a Golf. Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen, a family dealership, multi-generational. They don't own 30 other stores. This is it. It's on the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61 in Maplewood. It's Volkswagen, Alfa Romeo, and Fiat. Right now, the 2020 Volkswagen Tiguans are on the ground and ready for delivery. Certified pre-owned VW TDIs get a two-year unlimited mileage warranty from VW, and that's bumper to bumper. And uh, 
The inventory is fantastic. The inventory of new Alfa Romeos, new Fiats, and new Volkswagens. And when you enter the uh, store, tell them that you heard about uh, Countryside from the GL podcast. And if you want to check out the inventory prior to uh, making your visit there, this weekend would be a great time. The temperatures are going to be great. VW, I'm sorry, SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, and SchmelzFiat.com. I couldn't resist. I looked it up on the internet, a 2020 Volkswagen Golf Mm -hmm. 23195. That's how much I have left to pay Isn't on my truck that's a 2016. <laughs> They're fantastic 147 cars. horsepower in a six-speed manual or an eight-speed automatic. Remember the half car I always told you guys about? Yeah. It was yeah. a Volkswagen R32. They made 5,000 of them in 2008. I, I, I have seller's remorse. But that car yeah. did go back to uh, Countryside when I upgraded to the Alfa Romeo Giulia. I, uh, I, I just love that car. I just love it. Uh, that was uh, fun meeting Tim Tollison. Yeah, I never say. thought I'd meet a guy who fights uh, forest fires from the air. These guys make a real difference in mm-hmm. the world, a real difference. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's fun meeting guys like that. Uh, Johnny Height, you mm-hmm. said the market just dropped again? It did, yeah. We're down, let's see, 7.06 right now. My, no, 7.36 now. Uh, I tweeted yesterday, uh, this world of tweeting confounds me, but I tweeted that... Uh, a prediction that we're all going to end up quarantined on our own home in our own homes, mm-hmm. and then I added, I guess that's better than being stuck on a on a cruise line. And a number of people have tweeted back, accusing me of of buying into the hysteria that I'm already willing to. No, what I meant was uh, I have some dark thoughts about this. I, I think I think the U.S. is in good shape based on people that I've talked to who work for Mike Osterholm and Mike Osterholm himself. I think America is probably prepared as any country to handle this. What I mean is, given the world of social media and given the given the world we live in, uh, where news gathering institutions are in the hysteria business, mm-hmm. it's almost it almost seems predictable that this is becoming a self fulfilling prophecy that we're going to be shutting down workplaces. We're going to be shutting down schools. We're going to be shutting down the airlines. We're going to be canceling. Major League sports seasons, uh, I can see that. I don't want that to happen. And, and we're all praying that that won't have to happen. But given the tremendous world headlines on this, can't you see that coming? Absolutely. Totally. Can't you see that coming? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, will we be able to come in and do a podcast two weeks from now? <laughs> I have no idea. I hope so. Uh, the Olympics is going to probably be in trouble. Delta is already canceling flights to certain countries. Uh, airlines have cut hundreds of thousands of flights because of the coronavirus travel restrictions. Uh, Maybe we could get Tim to drop some antiseptic all over every, you know, yeah, everybody. Okay. We'll be good to go. I currently have no air travels planned, and I'm, I'm fairly happy that I don't. Shaycab responded to your tweet. Nobody wants to be quarantined on a floating Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> All I meant by that was, and I probably stated it poorly, I, my prediction, my fear is when I walk down the Garage Logic Service Road of Life, my fear is we're going to become a subject to this, wh- whether you're healthy or not. We're going to be put under the arm of some state, federal, or yep. local agency, and we're going to be told we're not moving. Business is going to stop. Flights are going to stop. Travel's going to stop. Schools are going to stop. And we'll all, and, and, and I hope that doesn't happen. But 
you know, you've got a country full of millennials who are afraid to answer the doorbell. Uh, can you imagine the fear that must be developing about this? And I think I'm going to join Roycey. I ain't wearing a mask. Pat says, no matter how bad it gets, I ain't wearing a mask. But a mask <laughs> is for when you are sick already. A mask is not going to keep out the molecules of the coronavirus. So it's not to prevent uh, it will you not. getting it. It's to prevent the spread. Correct. You're spreading it. If, oh. if you are healthy... Uh, those spores, that's what I read, will it will not save you from getting the disease. What it's a, to keep, if you're sick, to keep all that stuff in so you're not spreading. So what about um, surgical gloves? Because I keep reading over and over and again, don't touch your eyes, don't touch your face, don't touch your nose, don't touch anything. I think. Uh, so why not just wear surgical gloves? I guess all day you could, long? but my advice would just be keep washing your hands or sanitizing. Washing your hands. Uh, should I be looking for face masks and respirators? Mike Osterholm says people should not rush to buy face masks. There is already a shortage, and he says hospitals need them first. Remember he told us that? Mm -hmm. The health care workers are the ones we've got to be protecting right now. Right now, if we lose our health care workers because they get infected, trying to deliver care, we're in big trouble, he said. How should I prepare? Osterholm says it's a good idea to stock up on essential medication, supplies, and non-perishable food. But he said the first thing that everyone should do is talk to your loved ones and make a plan. I've worked out a plan, and of course it involves up north, but then I started thinking it's close to the freeway, people always getting off the freeway, using the gas station coming into town. So you're, you're not safe anywhere, Such. By a plan, he means what are they uh, going to do if they get ill? Who will they call? How will they access the medical care system? Who is watching out for grandma? Osterholm said, we need right now to really develop communication plans so that we're checking on people every day. That's the kind of thing that's going to get us through this. It's not going to be some magic bullet or the fact that we're going to be protected by masks. That's not going to happen. Uh, hmm. Does the flu shot help? Uh, no, there is no cross protection whatsoever between the flu vaccine and coronavirus, Osterholm said. But we still recommend getting the flu vaccine even yet because the flu season is still marching on. Uh, Mike Osterholm uh, is the guy who I really want to follow on this. Uh, he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's the guy who has a cool head and calm demeanor. He's got the street creds. He's the guy that I wish the administration would, would appoint. I, I, Put if, him at the top. If I'm Trump, I'm gonna, I want to call on a guy like Mike Osterholm and say, will you please run this for me? Yeah. What the hell does Mike Pence know? <laughs> right. And right. then stay out of it. Everybody stay out of it. Just follow, follow Mike's advice. I do have a Trump prediction. Oh, God. Hmm. oh you need to share this one. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I, I bet he disappears, which would be the ultimate proof of him worrying only about himself. I bet he'll hide and quarantine himself wow. to make sure he doesn't get this. Where, Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> I don't know. Where was he last week? I mean, Well, he, he was in India, for he God's sake. He was putting himself yeah, out there yeah, last week. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm being somewhat You're facetious. You I'm us. being somewhat I just facetious. really wish we could do one thing that wouldn't be political. Why does this have to be political? Why are both sides now fighting about this? My God, let's come together and protect ourselves. Osterholm says that... Uh, uh, anyone over the age of 50 uh, with underlying health problems have been most at risk. <laughs> Suckers. In China, <laughs> clearly, men were at a much higher Buster. risk because there is a very high rate of smoking, <laughs> Osterholm said. We don't know what that will mean here in the U.S. because we have an obesity issue. We know obesity, too, can be a risk factor. 
So obesity, diabetes, heart and lung problems, smoking, uh, probably increases your chance of these symptoms becoming increasingly dire. It's been nice knowing you, Kenny and John. Every one of you guys looked at me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I like his idea about a plan. His plan isn't to run to the store and buy 14 cases of bottled water. His plan is merely, who are you going to talk to? You're going to check on everybody. Yep. Then you got to have a plan. Okay, I'm, I'm available to take you to the doctor. In the event you would have to. Right now in Minnesota, there, there's maybe one case that's being looked at. Can I buy stock in just 3M masks? They yeah. can't make them fast enough, although yesterday 3M stock went up while, while the well, market was going good down. Good time to buy. Which ones are the best ones? Because I have a bleep load of these blue ones so that do we I. use for painting. Dollar store ones are unbelievable. Um, are they blue or they white? Just, by the end of the day, they just dissolve. Oh. So, I mean, if you want to get rid of it, it's, you don't even have to throw it away. It's just like you got a little piece on the corner of your In mouth fact, left. When, when, you, when you get the corona, it changes color, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. It switches to, to green. It starts out blue, and if you got corona, it goes this to is, green. This is your version of only the slowest person gets et by yes, the beer. Exactly. So yeah, you hand these out to your friends. Yes. <laughs> and this is fine. Take it right here. Take it from me. God, you're a creep. <laughs> I wore a mask at the fair once. You did. You did, yeah. And when you mowed your lawn. I don't know why I did on that occasion. I think maybe it was, was for the, a lark. No, that was the swine flu you were worried about. At the fair, I was worried but about the swine flu. Oh, yeah. the I don't lawn. know why I Rook, wore Rook doing knows the lawn. Why. I can't remember why. Uh, because you are really... <laughs> Not exactly. No. That's why. Thank you, Johnny. No. no. That's well, the one reason why. How does, how does having your stumble on make you want to wear So wait a minute. Was this around the same time as the swine flu? I have no idea. Mm. Have we no have a chili tonight? I have no idea. <laughs> so his wife can't read his mouth. One of the worst plagues, uh, dis- pandemics Uh-oh. in human history was the bubonic plague outbreak in the mid-1300s. Historians believe the plague started... In a trade port in Sicily, others take it back further and say it started in China and made its way through Crimea to the Mediterranean. For several years, the plague spread across Asia and Europe, generally following trade routes. It killed anywhere from 25 million to 50 million people. In the 1900s, the world was put on alert by the Spanish flu pandemic. It started during the 1918 flu season, and it's estimated to have infected 500 million people across America, Europe, and Asia. It is estimated to have killed roughly 50 million people. By the latter part of the 20th century, we had the HIV-AIDS pandemic. It spread from late 1970s and continues to this day. Around the world, the virus has infected more than 75 million people and killed roughly 32 million people. Scientists continue to work toward a vaccine. By 2009, the U.S. was experiencing the outbreak point for swine flu. It spread across the globe. The death toll is still being calculated, but scientists believe it killed anywhere from 150,000 to nearly 600,000 people, which brings us to COVID-19, coronavirus. It continues to infect thousands and has killed thousands, but nowhere on the scale of any of these other diseases yet. It's going to take an international effort of nations working together to try to lessen, lessen the blow from this epidemic as it spreads around the world. I can't stop thinking about the pest tent in the HBO series Deadwood. Yeah. Are you dead? 
I can't help thinking Monty Python. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and remember, you probably have heard that, well, uh, funding was cut to the CDC and there's not enough testing kits. Right. Uh, funding was not cut to the CDC, according to an AP fact check. And also the Centers for Disease Control has fixed the issue that was delaying coronavirus testing in the U.S. Apparently an ingredient was missing from the test kits. And that was causing people to halt the testing. Hmm. Then the CDC reversed position and said, go ahead and use the ingredients that are there. That will be enough to determine if coronavirus is present. So the testing kits are, are not a problem. And the okay. funding is not a problem. Any other questions? What ingredient? I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, 38% of the people in America will not drink Corona beer. Oh, God. What? People are morons. 38% of beer drinkers insisted they would not, under any circumstance, buy Corona as the deadly virus spreads across the globe. Are these Bernie supporters? They have to be really stupid people. A bartender I know can corroborate that story. Isn't that something? God. Wow. 38%. Yep. These are Bernie's bros. One guy looked at the other. My bartender buddy told me and said, well, don't order that. You're going to get sick. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> wow. Really? I'm not kidding. Isn't that pathetic? I, uh, he laughed very, very hard. 16% said, we're puzzled because we're not sure whether the virus is related to Corona beer. Uh, <laughs> it, it is not. Nope. It is not. You know, two minutes of research on the internet will answer the question. I, I wouldn't have even needed that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have needed to Well, look and we this tried up. to look it up, but we looked up a different company. Right. When we looked up Corona stock. Yes. Then you got that wrong. Yeah, we did. Which is going down. Yeah. yeah. I do have to, in the interest of, of what you've just talked about, because I read it as a news story, mm -hmm. the CDC budget was cut from $571 million to $532 million in the new budget 2021. But I thought it didn't take effect yet. It hasn't, and it hasn't been approved by anybody, okay. by so, Congress or anybody. So the cut's on the table, but it hasn't happened. Correct, yes. Right. Exactly. And, and, and it probably now won't, it won't because the budget will change, right. I'm sure. Right, yes. right, right. Meantime, we're uh, here on light rail, which is always a uh, rolling test tube of God knows what. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, Petri uh, dish. It really is. <laughs> Metro Transit light rail trains are going to replace the cloth seats with plastic seats because on the cloth seats, there are biohazards involving cloth seats. Oh, and increased, not and increased by 48%. Uh, this resulted in more than 1,600 labor hours devoted to cleaning those 3,900 seats. Mud from shoes, spilled food, spilled yeah. drinks, and yeah. bodily Every, fluids. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe from a sneeze. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's tough yeah. when you get up and it goes... Okay. okay. There's been an issue on our trains over the cleanliness of our seats, plus they're aging and it's costly, said Metro Transit General Manager Wes Kustra. I feel comfortable with the bid of $2.2 million to replace the seats. But the plastic isn't going to prevent, you know, it, it, you're absolutely right, and it's going to have to be replaced again. Put down planks. No, the plastic at least can be cleaned. It's a hard surface. Uh, so I think the problem with cloth is it's absorbent. Okay, so, but it's... So wait, are you saying hard plastic? <laughs> are you saying cushioned plastic? No, I'm gathering plastic seats. Like hard plastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's, what's the look, Reavers? Well, I'm just saying it's not like they clean it at every stop. Right. So it, it it's going to spread germs regardless. Well, you know what, then? 
Don't spend the money is what I'm saying. Bring you don't have to. You That's don't get our a money. Yet. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Just bring some some sanitary wipes with you. Yeah. Wipe her down. Wipe good. Her down. Yeah, wipe give her, her a good wipe. I'm looking at a picture right now. It is like hard plastic. Yeah, just plastic hard seats plastic. like you'd see yeah, at okay. a you know in a waiting room. Yeah, massage. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we come back with Johnny? Okay. How about Patrick? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, come back with Patrick. Yes. Is he in the fort? He is. But first, I want to tell you about 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins. It's Reavers here. I got a great email from a loyal GLer. This one is from John. He said, hey, Chris, as any good GLers would do, I took your advice and took my wife out to 30 Bales. All I can say is, wow. We went on Valentine's Day and had one of the best dining experiences we have ever had. The place is beautiful. You know, not too big, not too small. It's just right. The staff was incredible, and the food was delicious. I ordered one of the specials for the day, which was the beef short rib pot pie. It was yeah. honestly one of the best things I've ever eaten. It was so good. How good was it? I ordered a second entree and ate the whole damn thing again. Wow. By the way, well, that explains some things. I would have ordered a third, but they sold out after my second. After paying our bill, one of the owners came over to our table and personally thanked us for coming in. Definitely something you don't see every day. Thanks for turning us on to our new favorite restaurant. We are planning on making many return trips to downtown oh, Hopkins. You were reading. Uh, you were reading a letter. Oh, that yes. wasn't you. I thought it was you. Uh, I thought it was you too. <laughs> we ought to meet. Yeah. we ought to meet. I would yeah. absolutely do that. The Jolly Green that. Giant rolls in and orders <laughs> three for himself. ThirtyBales.com. Make sure you introduce yourself to Todd and Tom, the longtime owners and big time GL fans. ThirtyBales.com. Recently, you were inundated with countless home and auto insurance ads around Super Bowl time. Did you really listen to these ads? What were they trying to tell you? They are on your side. Let's hope. They've seen a few things. That's obvious. I truly don't know about you're in good hands or double check. What are we checking? They are only one company with one agent. No options. All of them. No options. Call the Canopy Group. Our message is clear. You get 16 companies and 20 professional agents. As home and auto insurance needs change, the Canopy Group will help you find another insurance company to meet your individual needs. No fancy ads, just the simple promise of providing you the best insurance company at the best price, year in, year out. New clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Call the Canopy Group at 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. Patrick, live at the ballpark, Twins in Boston underway. Uh, 1-0 Red Sox in the fourth. They just got a run while I wasn't looking. I don't know how that occurred. And uh, I don't know, is Trevor May still pitching? No, I don't think so. I don't know who's chucking. Well, that crowd but, uh, seems rather subdued. It is. It's uh, cold down here today. It was in the 40s overnight and uh, in the 50s when the game started. So uh, it's it's full, though, uh, pretty much full here today. The biggest crowd they've had, the Red Sox are here. Is it bright so, sunshine? Uh, yeah, it's a very sunny day. It's just going to be cold all weekend for some dang reason. I don't know why. Uh, so I got to say one thing. I know you guys are having fun with the Bernie supporters on Corona beer. Yep. 
I think the Trump supporters deserve a little uh, laughter too for being upset at Garth Brooks oh, for oh wearing a God. wearing a Barry Sanders jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unbelievable! Believe it. It was a Barry Sanders jersey. A Barry yes. Sanders. All for Pete's sake. Yeah. Oh, Brooke. I don't know a bleeping Barry. <laughs> <laughs> a Barry Sanders jersey, and he's getting vilified, and, oh. and stopped buying his CDs or whatever. Is it because he was also number twenty? So they assumed it was a campaign. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I could have been in. I guess. Yeah. Where yeah, was he was playing? It was he in Detroit? He's in, no, I think. Texas somewhere wasn't it? I mean, I don't know. Sure. Right? I think hey, he was you know, in. I, story I think he was in hardcore Trump country, wasn't he? When he was doing it, I'm not sure. <laughs> they thought he was Bernie, and you know, they missed the. They didn't realize Bernie had that U in there and never played football. He looks like a football player. <laughs> no, it, it was at Ford Field in Detroit. The concert. oh, it was yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. Oh okay. my oh, God, you me. dummies! That's why he wore it. <laughs> yeah. Now we get it. He wore it because of uh, he was in Detroit. And, Bernie, uh, have you ever played football? before in your life? <laughs> I've never played. No, that's, that, that's, that's not it. We're not ready yet. Don't that. even ask him anymore. Not ready <laughs> Is he working on a Bernie, but he's, he's trying, not there but he yet? Can't, can't get it's it. too he's high. It's yet. not low enough. Actually, Pat, what he's doing is he's doing Bernie's brother, Ernie Sanders. <laughs> yes. John Height does the best Bernie. Uh, well, Bernie, I'll tell you right now, Mr. Souchere. Bernie, have you ever played football? <laughs> I never played football. Okay. I was a baseball player. Okay. <laughs> play up. That's a baseball player. Play, play, up. play up. I got to think Caliendo is loving this, isn't he? He's... <laughs> A uh, Bernie and Trump. In her yeah, what are you doing? Hello? We can't hear that. I got a soundboard. Well, don't do it. Uh, Pat, are the <laughs> twins ever talking about the coronavirus? Is there any talk of that? It has in the not camp? been brought up. No, right. it's not. Uh, I, I have made a firm statement, though. I don't care if I'm in a room full of them, I'm not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you, I would rather die of the virus than walk around with one of those stupid ass masks on my face like a complete jackass and uh and they don't help anyway have you read that they don't help anyway patrick are the guys that wear the mask the same guys that put the windshield wipers (laughs) yes yes. they all wear masks yes they're the ones that put the mask the wipers up when they're in a parking garage so i think what patrick needs to do I mean, when he when he flips down those uh, uh, windshield wipers, he needs to go up to somebody with a mask on and just pull on it and snap it back in his face. How's your mask? Is there anybody in the stands wearing a mask today? I bet there is. I have not. I, there probably are. I haven't uh, really. Uh, I I had the window closed until about two innings ago, so I I don't know. I'm sure there's some masks. They're they're sold out, right? Yeah, there's a world shortage of the darn I thing. hadn't heard the Corona beer one. Oh, yeah, 38% won't touch it. I don't, you know, if you, you shouldn't be allowed to vote if that. Uh, I couldn't agree uh, more. You know, I couldn't you know. agree more. Does the, that should be the question. That's right. Come, does Corona beer have anything to do with coronavirus? And if you say, I don't know. Or yes, you don't get to vote. I agree. Right? You will not be awarded the secrecy ballot. Pat, I no, found you. out how the uh, the Sox scored. The guy that you're probably sitting next to, Lavelle, uh, said J.D. Martinez hit a home run off some guy named Corey Guerin. Never heard yes. of him. Corey is a uh, uh, one of their late add-ons to the uh, uh, the invitees. They signed him a veteran pitcher, and he got hammered the other day, too. So he's probably not looking too good for Corey. Gotcha. 
I saw him get hammered up in Tampa the other day, I think, or whatever the name of that park is, Port Charlotte Park, I guess. You should see what they build up in this middle of nowhere uh, in the north port at the end of, at the south end of Sarasota County, Joe, the yeah. Braves place. Yeah. Yeah. 140 mil for a spring training wow. uh, facility. Wow. Unbelievable. Boy, when Holds I think it. back to the days at Tinkerfield. <laughs> Tinkerfield. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it Literally ain't. falling That's what down. I said. <laughs> You ain't in Tinker anymore. No, you ain't in Tinker Field anymore. <laughs> no, you're not. It's uh, and uh, I I was thinking how stupid it is to play 34 spring training games because you know 32 because they you know these first 15 games nobody plays. Right. Uh, the Twins haven't played. Kepler's playing for the first time today. Precautionary. Polanco hasn't played. Gonzalez has a little something. Anybody with a little injury doesn't play. But because they've taken all this public money to build all these facilities, they got to play these games. They got to give them 15, I, 60, 16 home games this spring. I remember, I think it was Bernanski when he was still the hitting coach, was on with Mackey and Judd or Judd and whatever partner he had at the time. And he said, he was talking about Tinker Field and said, I don't even think people paid to get in. They just watched the game. Well, they did charge, but if you did, if you if if, if you ignored them, they ignored you. So uh, you, you, you could kind of you could kind of walk in. But you guys, if you never were there, and as, as Joe was, you can't comprehend. You can't comprehend what a dump it was. <laughs> and then of course, any you ballpark went, you play in, Reavers, in your summer league is better oh, yeah. than Tinker Field. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fairfax, better ball, Delano, better ball better than Tinker. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. was it so bad? It just, well, it just, just small and cramped and falling upon itself. And there was one little rocky field adjusted to it that they called Eo Jima because the rocks were, you know, they <laughs> over there they called it Eo, and uh, that well, was there where they played it had infield. And plus, it existed in the days prior to spring to the baseball owners catching on to turning this into a money situation. Well, and the other thing, it existed before uh, the airline uh, industry yeah. was deregulated and you could start flying reasonably cheap. Because, mm-hmm. you know, back then, uh, if you wanted to go to spring training, you had to spend 600 bucks to fly round trip. And that's when 600 bucks meant something, right. you know. so I drove down a couple times in my deluxe Ford Pinto station wagon. <laughs> I didn't know it was deluxe. Oh, it had a radio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> had an AM radio. And the battery. Heavy duty. I, deluxe. Yeah, I never Full wrote it. Full pots and pans. I looked like a gypsy. <laughs> Is that when Mock made you interview him through the screen door? No. Oh, that no, was that when was I was in, in L.A. covering a, uh, a Rose Bowl, <laughs> and he had just been named manager of the Twins. He would so. wear a mask. Yeah. Gino would wear a mask. Yeah. So I got sent out to G's home in Palm Desert, and he said, are you sick? And I said, yeah, man, I'm not feeling too well. He said, well, you stand out there. <laughs> I'll talk to you from in here. I would love to read that. Uh, you know... You and I both loved Mock. Loved him. And we know other guys that are like this. One of them is about to turn 100. Mm-hmm. But Gene, God love him, mm-hmm. was worried about one person on the planet. And that man's name G- was Gene. Gene, that's right. <laughs> kind of reminds me of somebody I know. <laughs> push push oh. come to shove. <laughs> you know, if you walked down the steps and croaked him, coronavirus he'd say oh thank god i didn't let him in the house yeah. you know? 
Oh, he had so many curious looks at oh, the yes. world. You know, Gene, why are you smoking so much? He says, because they're my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I called him. I last time I talked to him, I said, "How you doing with the cigarettes?" He says. It's about 50-50. I can't beat them, but they haven't beaten me yet. But then, then I ended up dying of lung cancer, so the cigarettes won in the end. But uh, I don't know how he could have died of cigarettes. He couldn't have smoked more than three packs a day, right? right? right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, he, was, uh, he was a giggle, though. Plus, a he, had a high, he had a high stress level. Oh, he did. He, he took every. He get very every, red after he took game. every pitch of the game. I've told that story a hundred times. Rookie, yep. you there, yep. rookie? Yeah. I've told that story a hundred times that uh, when I'm talking to him about the Phillies collapse in 1964, right in front of the dugout at Met Stadium. What do you remember, Gene, about that collapse in '64? Wait, 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 wait. 50 seconds, finally puts out the cigarette in the grass and says, only every bleeping bitch. <laughs> so, Pat, how would uh, Mr. Mock have handled Joe covering one of his first baseball games and said, why didn't you just put Oliva back in? <laughs> well, he had that. Joe gave him the who's Gabby Hartnett. Yeah. He, uh, oh, God. He, he took me under his wing. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he thought this you. moron needs help. <laughs> This is why did this newspaper send this idiot down here? <laughs> what did he say to you when you said who's Gabby Hartnett? And, uh, I can't uh, remember, but it involved profanity. Yeah, but I said really. it in, a, in an innocent way that captivated him to the degree where he thought, this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there can't be somebody on earth in my sphere who doesn't know who Gabby Hartnett was. I said, I don't know who the hell he was. <laughs> I wonder how Gene would have handled the analytic age when guys, oh. came, down and, yeah, guys came down and gave him lineup suggestions before the game and oh, the I like. I don't, I don't think, think that would have lasted. I think he would have put a cigarette out on that lineup card. That yeah. 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 I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that would have happened. Gene, why do you take so many vitamins? They work if you think. <laughs> think they do <laughs> boy that's the truth <laughs> what uh uh what uh, what are we going to do with the basketball coach reavers is your dad uh, turned on him yet uh well he he was kind of done with them after the iowa collapse the indiana uh-huh. one was sort of the nail in the coffin the maryland game he had zero expectations going mm-hmm. into so he just went i knew it <laughs> but uh, Pat, they're on the NIT bubble at this point. Well, you got to get to five hundred, right? You got to be five hundred. They're under five hundred, and it looks like they're going to lose. I would guess they're going to lose two out of three. Wisconsin being eleven and six in the Big Ten is a disgrace. Did you to see mankind. this, by the way? Uh, with last night's outcomes, Wisconsin will now for the twenty second consecutive season finish with a better record than the Gophers in the Big Ten. Twenty second consecutive Who cares by the way season. if they make the NIT? Go away. I'm just saying that's how bad this is. I know, season but who cares if they make the NIT? That's I, I nothing. Don't, I don't. No. Well then well, what's the other not one? gonna do Patino any good. Yeah. Coil's he, silence is Coyle's silence is deafening, don't you think? Yeah, I think a, so. I do too. Yep. Yeah. I, I what's his buyout? Him. Two mil? Two mil, yeah, two mil, and they got. We're going to need a coach down here at Florida Gulf Coast. They stink, so uh, maybe we can get Patino down here. I don't know. 
Uh, the Wild beat a hapless Detroit what team. What about that? Yeah. Although they're in it, baby. What are they, two points out of the playoffs? Three. 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 Unbelievable. They're playing good. They've won four out of five. They're at Columbus tonight. They stink. Uh, they're, they're not very good. They're, anyway. they're in the thick of the playoff hunt in the Metropolitan Division. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, but 7-1. Holy. And Doomba finally got two goals. Holy yeah. cow. He hadn't scored. In, I think the only one he'd scored was in one of those phony overtimes in like two months, right? Yeah. Uh, it's been about a month at least. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Our buddy well, Rob McClanahan's club, Blake, got in the state tournament. They beat Benilda in overtime on a penalty shot goal. Mm-hmm. And it was a flagrant one too. I mean, it was. There's oh, really? no complaining about the fact that it was a penalty shot. Well, does he coach him, or has he got a kid on the team? No, he's the Blake Bears head coach. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He well, took over for. Uh, he likes working with those blue collar kids. Huh? That's yeah. good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> rising them, rising them up from the ashes, and, uh, <laughs> you know, to uh, to uh, uh, win some hockey games. Do you know That's him, right. Patrick? Do you know him at all? I know him a little bit. Not yeah, not very. I think I've. Uh, been on the same golf course with him a couple of he's times. He's a so. real cool guy. His yeah. Herbie stories when he was on GI were outstanding. <laughs> I know. I listened. Oh. Fantastic. Patty, get there, the there hell are, out of here. En- there are endless Herbie stories. Yes, there are endless Herbie stories. That's the best sure. one I heard was when he and Herbie were fighting in the hallway and the Swedes were looking at him like, what the hell is this going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, Herbie couldn't, Herbie couldn't enjoy, way, you know, the better things got, the grumpier he got, man. Herbie oh, was. Uh, I know that was, feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just around the corner. Hey, how's that stock market doing today? We down we're, another uh, thousand? We're down about 915 right now. I just checked. Woo-hoo! Time to let go of your fiat stock. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be back here Monday night for the Bernie Sanders rally? I know you're interested. You know, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, <laughs> I am so depressed about that crazy SOB being yeah. nominated. They the the dummies that are running around saying Bernie, are they ready for four more years? Because they're getting it, baby. That idiot won't carry four states. He'll get beat by twenty points in Minnesota. Yep. He's a moron. Yes, he is. And he's running. You know, this is moron number one running against moron number two. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get Dennis Farina back, man alive. I'm staying home and drinking that day, and I haven't had a drink. In it. It's over. The only my stock ab- going up is gin. <laughs> my abstinence is over. If, that, if that's the moron running against um, uh, Trump, I'm I'm done with it. We'll done talk to you Monday, it. lad. Tangray by the court. We'll see you. <laughs> Oh, oh, my God, man. I tell you what. He's in fine form today. You yes. have today and tomorrow left to get to EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake. EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake because right now the clearance sale is underway, on the and it's the lowest prices of the year on all Bintelli e-bikes. Uh, temperature's going to go up this weekend. You can take your test ride. Tim will set you up. Uh, you're going to love it. Uh, and uh, i got to get out there, too, because I need a new version. And if I do get one, I'm going fat tire this time. But this is the year-end clearance sale on now through tomorrow, Saturday, Feb 29. The lowest prices of the year on all Bintelli e-bikes. And when you're at EcoFun, check out the full line of Yamaha products and the uh, uh, mini bikes. Not, yeah. Scooters that get 75 miles to the gallon, they turn every adventure. 
uh, uh, turn every errand into an adventure. Uh, the best thing, and Rook told me this, because he had a buddy who went to EcoFun. Tommy. And got a, uh, they'll store that e-bike for you until, the, what, the end of March? March, yeah. That's fantastic. You buy it and don't worry about getting it home now. We're still in for a lot more winter weather, as we all know. But right now, today and tomorrow, that's it. That's the year-end clearance sale. Uh, lowest prices of the year on all Bentelli e-bikes at EcoFun Motorsports. It's on Highway 61 right there in downtown Forest Lake. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Who's doing leads here, Johnny? I have all the guitar parts, rhythm and lead. Dylan has bass and drums. This is a nice number. Yeah, it is. Turning a negative into a positive. In my life, in my world, there's only two guys I know that can do it consistently. Mr. Sushira, he's a pro at it. And so is Mike Schoonover of Schoonover Body Works and Glass and Shoreview. They are our one-stop, family-owned, third-generation body shop, and they're the sole sponsor of yesterday <laughs> here at GL. You were unavoidably detained. I didn't hear you. What? You were unavoidably detained. I had a funeral I yeah. had to go to. So I've got a little story here, and I don't want to out him totally, but a good friend of mine uh, actually works at a competing body shop in the uh, metro here, and he's been at it a long time, a body man since the 80s, so he knows his stuff, and even he recommends Schoonover over the shop he's at because he knows the business and he knows the reputation of the team up at Schoonover. Honesty, integrity, amazing customer service, and most of all, what we care about, the quality of the workmanship. I'd call that high praise, especially coming from a competitor. The best part, those quality repairs at Schoonover Body Works are guaranteed for as long as you own the vehicle. They've been doing this for 80 years. Yeah, I thought you were old, Suchi boy. 80 years. Schoonover always rated as one of the best body shops in the metro when it comes to... that old. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can see it, can't you? No, I can, I can feel it sometimes. <laughs> when it comes to body uh, shops here in town, we all have our choice. Our choice at GL is schoonoverbodyworks.com. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, some breaking news. I realize we're, we're podcast breaking doesn't. Yeah, but really you know matters, we get posted pretty is, quick. Yes, we're that's on true. The, we're uh, available. What uh, Reeves every day by about three. three yep. Th- yep. Three thirty. <laughs> oh, easily by three o'clock. Uh, yes. <laughs> way to give them. Gellers, I there. try to get it done, but sometimes things come up. Yeah. Dakota County Sheriff Tim Leslie has confirmed an officer-involved shooting occurred Friday morning in Lakeville. Leslie said a law enforcement officer exchanged gunfire with the suspect while serving a search warrant. The officer not injured during the incident. Uh, no word on the condition of the suspect. The Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is on its way to investigate. Uh, the, at the shooting Johnny took place, police were at an address in the 2800 block of Italy Avenue serving a warrant. Okay. Uh, the risk of spread. Uh, wait a minute. I got three stories going on at once here. Let me do this. Uh, White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney today suggested Americans should ignore media reports about the coronavirus amid fears of the deadly disease spreading to the U.S. Mulvaney, who also uh, heads the Office of Management and Budget, also said there will probably be school closures and transportation issues due to the impact of the virus. He Wait said, a minute. But we're supposed to ignore? That's what he says. News yeah, accounts. Just, just ignore it completely. It is a test. It's a test for how you must digest your news mm-hmm. and figure mm-hmm. it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Go ahead. I'm sure. Mulvaney claimed the media has only started paying close attention to the coronavirus because they think it's going to be what brings down the president. The Office of Management and Budget did not have any comment or responding to Mulvaney's uh, remarks. Meanwhile, uh, once again, it is having an effect today on the stock market. Uh, as I refresh here, right now, as of right now, down 826 points for the day. It's almost at the level. Now, this is pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, the president, of course, uh, he tweets a lot about the tax reforms uh, making the stock market uh, uh, thrive. Yeah. We're almost at about the same level as when the tax reforms were passed in mm-hmm. December of 2017. So, what was the market when he took office, about 21000 Uh That I do not know. Right. It's It's gone up, though, or it was up, uh, however, many percent, 10% since uh, uh, those uh, reforms are passed. Uh, one other coronavirus note. The University of St. Thomas announcing it's closing its campus in Rome for the remainder of the spring semester due to the uh, coronavirus cases there. The Pope is sick, John. He looked like it, didn't he? He's canceling uh, events. Oof. He's sick with this? We don't know that it's this, but he's sick. Oh, boy. In a statement, Richard Plum, University Executive Vice President and Provost, said the St. John Vianney Catholic uh, Studies Rome semester will be canceled in the midst of the Bernardi campus closure. Uh, Bad news. We talked about this yesterday uh, off air, not on air. Bad news for cord cutters like me if you enjoy sports. YouTube TV announced it's dropping all 21 regional sports networks around the U.S. that are owned by Sinclair. And that includes the Fox Sports regionals, including Fox Sports North. Uh, Who do we nail down here for blame? I'm sick of this. Well, it's got to be Sinclair, I think, because uh, they can't get a deal with anybody. What does Sinclair own? Well, they own all the Fox Sports things now. They bought them all for $9.6 billion with a B dollars No, I think you year. need to look higher up the ladder. It's these ridiculous TV contracts that they're signing to these teams. That's who you blame. Well, I think you blame Sinclair for this. Do you, do you they're not asking have... all, the, all the streaming services for a lot of money. That streaming services obviously Yeah, but they're passing pay. the buck because do, of how much money they're paying for the rights. Do you not have uh, conventional cable because of a budgetary decision? Uh, and I hated dealing with cable and oh. and. So tell me about Hulu because I already have Hulu. <laughs> I don't want to get go. into this. It's too. No, I'm not ridiculous. I'm not trying to be uh, clever here. You re- there's a, a TV service associated with Hulu. That's correct. And I can get Fox Sports on that. That's service. correct. Also, that's the only one left with Fox Sports. Is it extra more than the, the I don't know twelve dollars I'm already paying? Well, if you get the Hulu service, call me and, now. And the service you have now for Hulu, it costs 60 bucks a month for both the service and the television service. Oh, I don't want to pay that. Well, uh, that you answered my question. Okay. Thank you. That's all I wanted to know. That's all I wanted to know. Uh, subscribers yesterday venting on Twitter immediately. Those affected across markets basically saying they will cancel their subscriptions, which I did immediately and went back to Hulu. Right. Uh, beer news. Surly Brewing Company is suspending its 2020 installment of Darkness Day. That's what? So, what is Darkness Day? Oh, it's a tasty. It's an annual release. It's, Hand me Reaver's phone. Give me his. Give me. You're, you're was, too damn distracted. I'm texting Patrick. Oh, no. well, why? He's already been on. I know. He, he has some further thoughts that oh. he'd like me to pass along. Yes. Uh, Darkness Day is a celebration of its yearly batch of Russian Imperial Stout. Oh, I don't drink that anyway. Oh, it's good stuff. It's yeah. a two. Well, it's a two-day party though. That's I'll the thing. I'll be the it's judge a, of that. It's a party and a concert. It evolved out of its earlier release days when the beer's most committed fans would flock to the brewery to buy it. But then they moved it to Somerset. Uh, they moved it there because, of course, uh, of the whole 20-barrel thing. Right. Uh, because uh, they couldn't sell it in, in growlers. 
And uh, that's also why they are suspending it this year as a protest until Minnesota changes its law. As the state's third largest brewery, Surly produced 112,000 barrels in 2018. Uh, they're way over the barrel threshold of 20,000 barrels a year. The last two years, Surly was able to avoid the issue by holding it in Wisconsin. Now it wants to move the festival back to Minnesota, but says it won't do so until state law changes. Surly founder Omar Ansari said we haven't been able to do it because of the growler issues. Two state representatives have introduced a bill to raise the limit to 40,000 barrels. That still wouldn't help Surly. The Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild is pushing a bill that would allow all Minnesota breweries to sell growlers no matter the size. There's the Barry Sanders story. We'll skip that one. By the so way, it was Barry Sanders. Right. A, a shameless plug for last night's beer show. <laughs> uh, I had John Leinenkugel on the phone talking about the tragedy in Milwaukee because uh, Molson Coors is the parent company of Leinenkugel. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, I, I didn't either until he and I were... Uh, You're tight with him? With Johnny? Yeah. Oh, he's phenomenal. What? What? Way ahead of you. Stop begging, uh, Kenny. But anyway, uh, it was it was a really good interview, and right. I urge you to listen to the podcast. Do I have to send Sushere after him? Because <laughs> he deals some hard... Uh... About four in ten American adults are obese, and nearly one in ten severely obese. Hi, how are you? According to government researchers. <laughs> I'm Kenny. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention findings come from a health survey that measures height and weight. More than 5,000 U.S. adults took part. The survey found the obesity rate was 42% higher than the 40% found in a similar study a year earlier. The severe obesity rate was more than 9% in the new survey, up from the 8% figure. Uh, these increases aren't considered statistically significant. The survey numbers are small enough that there's a mathematical chance the rates didn't truly rise, but the CDC says it's clear adult obesity rates are trending up. Half century ago, about one in every 100 American adults were severely obese. So we've gone from one to 43 of every 100. The obesity rate has risen about 40% in the last two decades. Uh, new Canadian research has found that eating less than three portions of fruit or vegetables per day adds to having an anxiety disorder. Kenny, you're not eating enough fruit. Le- less than three less portions? Than three, yes. what, what's... And you guys mock me for my grapes. Yep, I, I eat grapes and uh, those little tiny oranges and well, you're uh, fine, nanners. You're fine. So and you strawberries blueberries today. Blueberries are very good. You changed, you changed up? Well, I didn't. The CP threw in some blueberries. Yeah, but you had something different yesterday. What and was a that? a plum. Ooh. You know what threw I like? Threw me for a curve. Oh, plums. <laughs> I like fruit that squirts. See, plums squirt, and I'm with Pat. I don't like fruit that squirts. But plums have a pit, and I've got a plum tree up north. they got pits in oh, the yeah. you, you got to work pit. around oh, You can pit. get them. I like fruits that squirt too, Kenny. Yeah, they're good. The research is... Well, I like them when they squirt from outside. I don't want any indoor squirting. Any indoor squirting? I don't like indoor squirting. Anyway, I don't uh, even know what that means. Rookie, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm looking up the the down numbers for when President Obama was in office for his first term, then his second term, and then President Trump in... uh, why don't you share with us what you've discovered? <laughs> in 2009, on the January 20th, it was at 7550. Wow. That was President Obama's first term. Yep. Uh, the inauguration for the second term in 2013, it was at 13,649. Went up pretty well. And then uh, for President Trump in uh, 1-2017, it was at 19,827. And it got up to uh, over a little over 29, 29 in the yeah. past year. Where is it at right now? 24. Today? 24. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Just kidding. You were looking at dog videos. Fortunes oh, this is the Colombian lost. stock market. I'm sorry. This is the <laughs> Colombian. This is in rubles. And so disregard everything. I just, sorry about that. Back to the drawing board here. Residents of a Swiss town might have to get out of their homes for more than 10 years while authorities clear out a massive World War II underground weapons cache that's nearby. Wow. 3,500 tons of ammunition remains Jeez. inside a former armory in Mitholz. Some of the material already exploded. Who's the guy in the checkered suit that sold that land? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of the material... Nah, this will be okay. Right. <laughs> Run with it. Just dig a hole, push it in. Pay no attention to that large door <laughs> on that mountain. <laughs> uh, most of what's left of the arsenal is reportedly covered by fallen rocks. A uh, news agency quoted Switzerland's defense ministry as saying, depending on how the work develops, residents should expect the evacuation to last up to more than 10 years. Part of that evacuation would include rerouting a major highway that passes through the town. Switzerland's defense ministry says cleanup is expected to begin in 2031 after extensive preparations. But if any evacuations were to pose insurmountable problems, a rock mass could be placed on top of the armory instead to minimize risk. 2031. We won't even be that's, alive then because of the, the uh, climate. Long gone. Yeah, we're done. Officials are hoping they can eventually remove all the ammunition. Project manager Hans-Peter Eilig was quoted by Euronews as saying that failing to do so would be viewed as leaving a toxic gift for defendants. John, thank you. You're uh, we're going to be back uh, with, uh, in honor of the scramble with uh, three more beers in the best beer category and some emails that I must get out today because they're timely. Our buddy, the Rads. Yeah. My best beer ever submission for your consideration was my first beer ever, 4th of July, 1970, Hastings, Minnesota. My two brothers and I swiped bottles of ice-cold grain belt beer from a wash tub and walked out deeply into my Uncle Shorty's cornfield. Hmm. We pried off the caps and swilled them down, surrounded by the heat rising out of the corn. A warm memory that still resurfaces with every ice-cold grain belt beer. Here, here. Uh, hail the flashlight, King. Hail you! My thought on the best beer, I'd like to note, this possibly, uh, this can't possibly rank anywhere near uh, any military-based best beer vote, okay? Fifth day of deer hunting, cold, slightly wet, killed the biggest buck in the woods. Hours after dark, it's hanging in the shed, and the guys are all there to see it. Psst! The sound of the first beer. Ah, big head Kevin wrote that. Okay. And uh, this is a beauty, too. Uh... The first beer, this is from uh, David, the first beer with my son. We were at a remote Canadian fly-in in the far northwest corner of Ontario. It was about 11 p.m., and the northern lights were amazing. They lit up the entire tree li- sky, tree line to tree line. We were standing on the dock together, and I said, hang on a second. I walked up to the cabin and retrieved two ice-cold cans of Molson Canadian. He was 14 years old. I handed him a beer, and I said, I think this calls for your first beer, and, of course, don't tell Mom. (laughs) We opened the beers, and uh, 
Nazdrowski, Naz, what do you say? Naz, Nostrovia. What? Nostrovia. Nostrovia. He did not like it, took one sip and choked it down. We sat on the dock on our backs past midnight, marveling at the changing colors and patterns. I finished both beers. He is now 30 <laughs> years old and is an IPA snob. <laughs> well, aren't we all? I offered my son a beer a couple of years ago. He uh, declined, and I, I, I guess I'm assuming it was because he was already hungover. <laughs> You guys recall we brought up the Jacobin magazine the other day. Yes. Uh, it was, socialism. Uh, it's uh, full of a socialism. I've got a couple of emails. Uh, Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you. I had never heard of Jacobin magazine before this podcast episode. However, the name of the magazine sounded familiar. Sure enough, the magazine takes its name from one of the parties involved in the French Revolution. The Jacobin Party is probably the most well-known for the reign of terror in France, during which over 10,000 people were put on trial and executed by guillotine. The party was led by Maximilien Robespierre, Robespierre, who was uh, quite the interesting individual. I also find it rather telling that a magazine, or anyone really, would willingly associate themselves with one of the darkest eras of the French Revolution. One dominated by the wholesale slaughter of anyone who so much as looked at the political elite in the wrong way. The fact that this magazine has named themselves after the Jacobin Party tells me everything I know need to know about the opinions of the authors and the editors of that particular cat box liner. Keep your stick on the ice, Jeff Winter. Mm. All right. That's a good one. Yeah, good I, got, I got another one here about the Jacobin magazine from uh, Mike. I ran across Jacobin Magazine at the checkout of my local organic food co-op. As the line was long, I picked it up and paged through, hoping to find that the name was a mistake, as the original Jacobins were the people who started and prolonged the bloodshed during the French Revolution. You can read on your own time the informative Wikipedia description of these foul, far-left murderers. I made a very loud scene about them having a, mag- having a magazine that promotes murder and revolution and demanded to see the manager. Nice. I was being watched carefully by my neighbors. When the manager arrived, I was told, we just received it for free, so we put it on the shelf. We don't read them first. I said, maybe you should. And in the meantime, take it off your shelf. I don't like the idea that I buy groceries from people who advocate murder. It is no longer available at this grocery. Fight back. We're all in it together. The far left is clever. It needs to be confronted before it's too late. We all know what the mob is capable of doing. That's a great what letter. A great who, who sent us that? Mike. Yeah, great letter. No last, Mike Pexa. Awesome. It's a great last name. Awesome. I mean, a great, uh, a great email. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, hail the flashlight king. Hail you. Joe, we are of similar ages, and I therefore assume you can recall the following events from the late 1980s. In 1988, a biologist named Samuel Leboud shared a video he had secretly recorded of hundreds of dolphins dying in tuna nets. Note that tuna often follow the school beneath dolphins, and the tuna fleets were spotting, herding, and encircling dolphins on the surface to catch the tuna schooling beneath them. As a result of this video, people around the world joined a boycott of tuna. Due to this boycott, within two years, the three largest tuna companies in the world agreed to stop purchasing, processing, and selling tuna caught unethically, which was defined as tuna caught in nets by intentionally chasing and encircling dolphins. 
This is an excellent example of personal actions individuals took to rapidly impact a global issue. Note that no government intervention and no increased taxation was necessary to attain the result. Also note that this rapid result was accomplished before social media and the World Wide Web. When I'm confronted by individuals who feel that the climate crisis is the biggest issue facing the world today, I push back with the following suggestion. If you really believe that we must take action to prevent the world from ending due to climate change, then you should stop purchasing any product that is not produced on a carbon ethical basis. I define carbon ethical as a product that is produced by using the smallest available carbon footprint. Simple research indicates that China's annual CO2 emissions are approximately double that of the U.S. Further research indicates that China has plans to build additional coal-burning facilities during the next decade. This during a period where the U.S. is predicted to take additional coal-burning facilities offline. My conclusion? If an individual really wanted to take personal action to address their climate concerns, they would take a page out of the 1988 tuna boycott and stop purchasing products that are have made in China stamped on the back. Laptops and cell phones be, should be the first two things on their list. No need for government action or higher taxes, just personal responsibility and sacrifice to match each individual's level of conviction. Just think, if this type of boycott gained worldwide attention, it would put pressure on China to rapidly e implement emission and environmental protection standards similar to those already in place in the U.S., and thus the world would be saved. Loyal listeners since the 80s, pushing back with real solutions, Rob. I like that. Nice. I like that. Uh, hail the Flashlight King. Hail you. Joe, you and John Hyde talk about using your passport when applying for a travel ID driver's license, which confuses me. It is my understanding that those of us with passports don't have to have a travel ID. Am I, I wrong? I think he's right. Do I still need a travel ID driver's license even though I have a passport? No. If you want to get on an airplane right. and all you got is a regular driver's license, you can get on a plane with your uh, with your uh, passport. passport. Correct. Uh, I don't miss a podcast. I was, I've been listening here in Phoenix uh, for years in podcast form, well before you went to the podcast format. All right. Mm. I got mine ready to go. I did the online thing. There you go. Yep. Uh, uh, oh, cut just, rookie. <laughs> Frank says, guys, cut rookie a little slack. No. <laughs> no, I think rookie's right here. I saw this. I think I received this too. The town of Mount Shasta is yes. at approximately 36 oh, feet, right. 3,600 feet above sea level. Yes, rookie's technically wrong, but the guy who has a little trouble with math from time to time ought to be able to be somewhat forgiving of the rook, making an explainable error such as this. I love you all like brothers. Start getting serious about making your plans for the big road trip this summer. Yeah, Frank the Woodcutter. I've, I have a feeling that's not going to happen. I have, a, I have a dispiriting um, email coming up on that. From sales? Kelly from Newport. <laughs> is this another boondoggle? Kelly from well, Newport, course, Carolina writes, I took my chances and got on a cruise ship. I'm listening to you from sunny Puerto Rico where Ooh. it's sunny and 81. It's been smooth sailing except for our first day when we had to turn around after one and a half hours due to a medical emergency but not coronavirus. Where we're about to be quarantined for the next three months. Right. Exactly. I'll be listening. <laughs> Here's a guy who said, I, I got it figured out. Bloomberg should have just stopped the debate the other night and said, I'll give each of you right now a billion dollars to go away. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> Epic. Uh, 
Can you do that? Joe, you often talk... This is from Scott Mature, the chef. Joe, you often talk about a day when we will no longer be allowed to talk to each other. Think about this. With the social skills our younger generation has, as well as more and more services that eliminate human interaction, they will not have to create these laws because that generation will essentially take care of that for them. They would prefer looking down at a device rather than looking up at a face. They prefer humanless interaction. They are afraid of the doorbell. The list of words and conversations that are no longer allowed to have and use issued to them by the failed academy is growing by the day. In essence, they will choose to no longer interact socially if they haven't already. Uh, I don't need that one. Uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. Now oh, the hell with Bernie Sanders. Are you backed up to the pay window right now? <laughs> no, I want to read a. I want to read a text that. Uh, uh, two more. <clears throat> okay. Hail the flashlight king. Uh, you'll enjoy this. Hail, hail you. you. I guess. Hail, hail you. One more time. One more time. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. My many GL friends and I have come to the conclusion that you and the gang are not coming to Phoenix this year for your winter GL road trip. Now this is a true GLer. We know that you are only the mayor of an imaginary town, but are now beginning to sound more like a real mayor. You know, making promises you will never keep. Boy, that hurts, Mike. That hurts. There are a ton of Minnesotans out here in the Valley of the Sun, many of whom are loyal GLers and would love to help make your road trip wonderful remember we have even talked about securing associate sponsorship from a local ace hardware store or alfa romeo dealer (laughs) and holding a gl car show in their lot on a weekend there are also many other venues that might be of interest to you remember this area offers world-class golf car auctions nascar national horse shows spring training baseball nhra drag racing restaurants taverns local car shows craft breweries uh, fantastic scenery and more besides a winter road trip would be a nice break from all the political misery you and the listeners must endure daily. I guess we can only hold out hope for next year. But please, don't take us on another emotional roller coaster. Longtime listener and proud member of the Royal Order of 21sters, Mike in Duluth, still wintering in Phoenix for a couple more months. And finally... How did he start that one? Hail the Flashlight King. Hurry up! Why are you guys in a hurry? Well, look at the we got to write. We got to write. The hell with you. I want to reach. Weekend. It's uh, Friday. I, 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 Thank God it's Friday. Fun Friday. <laughs> Santa Bill Jim uh, said, "This is something I want you all to listen this to." This looks like a three-pager. No, it's short. <laughs> Santa Bill Jim writes, uh, uh, "The Corvette." Uh, a man named Tom Nicholson posted on his Facebook account the sports car that he had just bought and how a man approached him and told him that the money used to buy that car could have fed thousands of less oh, fortunate God. people. Here we go. You heard this? No, and I don't want to. I'd rather, you know what, I'd rather have the vet. <laughs> you're gonna, well, you're going to love the response okay, then. Okay, good. A guy looked at my Chevy Corvette the other day and said, I wonder how many people could have been fed for the money you spent on that sports car. I replied, I'm not sure. It fed a lot of families in Bowling Green, Kentucky, who built it. It fed the people who make the tires. It fed the people who make the components that went into it. It fed the people in the copper mine who mined the copper for the wires. It fed the people in Cat- at Caterpillar who make the trucks that haul the copper ore. It fed the trucking people who hauled it from the plant to the dealer. It fed the people working at the dealership and their families. But I have to admit, I guess I really don't know how many people it fed. That's the difference between capitalism and the welfare mentality. When you buy something, you put money in other people's pockets and give them dignity for their skills. 
When you give something for nothing, you rob people of their dignity and self-worth. Capitalism is freely giving your money in exchange for something of value. Socialism is having the government take your money against your will and give it to someone else for doing nothing. That sounded just as good as it did a couple weeks ago when we read it. Here's this week's (laughs) non-original story from Ricey. Believe me, we didn't read we that a couple of weeks ago, before. did we? We did. I think we've we heard did. that one. Play the yes, music. Play Wait, the music. I got to get you to Grunhoffers. Go to Grundy's. Uh, I, got, no. I got one final thing. I'm here. going this weekend, by the way. If you guys want something, let me know. You got to okay. text us. Okay, I'll text you. Grunhoffers Old Fashioned Meats. You're going to make the run and I'm run into other run. GLers right there at the north end of Hugo on yes, Highway 61. Yep. Another great grilling weekend shaping up. Try the uh, try any of the 130 flavors of lean pork brats that must be grilled, not boiled. Much less uh, the smoked salmon, the jerky, the burgers, the steaks, the chops, you name it. They'll take care of you there. And as we noted yesterday, a guy went in to get the uh, prime rib to cook for his wife on Valentine's Day. Had never cooked it before. They wrote out explicit directions for him, and it came out perfect. They'll take care of you at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. You can't miss it. I'm getting sliders. Okay. I'm going to get some rookie burgers. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, Matthew sent me a text. Matthew lives just around the corner from St. Leonard. It's in the north end. It's right of in the what? thick of Boston. Boston. Yeah. It's right. Paul Revere is a stone's throw away. He said on Ash Wednesday, he sent a thing over and said, uh, Brannock and I did the collection at Mass. And there's a there's a front pew that is um, the, what is it, the, the Angulo family? It was a mob family that has sponsored the church. Okay? Yeah. So tell me if this is arrogant. Packed house. Expertly maneuvered the baskets, definitely drove high donations, maybe a new record. That's pretty arrogant because they were working the baskets for the offertory. He said, you should have seen the pile of cash. It was a packed house. However, not one person sat in the front row that is reserved for the crime family where they're all dead. There's no more crime family. Packed house, but not one person would sit in the front row where the mob family would normally sit. Huh. That's pretty interesting. That was pretty good. Um, He's working the basket. I have a really good town ball story. <laughs> no, if you guys want to. No, we're going to keep you here for another hour. I have some more things. You got I wanna, some more you got on some your more? spindle. I got some more. Good, because he sent about. me another text too. I thought it was pretty good. No, I, I don't <laughs> want to hear about it. Over at the, uh, I don't want to hear about it. Place where the Paul Revere was. Uh, you're going to Grunhoffers. I will stop at Grunhoffers tomorrow. Yes. Uh, every employee at Fratelloni's on Grandendale knows me now by name. Good. And so, is that good or bad? That's how frequently I'm there. <laughs> I'd, I'd pick a new frats if I were. Yeah, you. maybe I'll switch. <laughs> I mean, it was a packed house, and nobody dared to sit in the front pew. <laughs> Who cares? That's kind of mob. That's kind of like. dumb of the church, if you ask me. I'm get not some, gonna get shot. Get some new people to put in there. You know, I'll be at Fratelloni's for something. Something always comes up, and that's where I get my urges fulfilled. Yeah. No, All that right. doesn't sound right. No, it, it really doesn't. It doesn't sound right. It's yes. going to be a great grilling weekend. It is. Great grilling weekend. Pod MN on your phone app to download Garage Logic and all Minnesota podcasts or go to podmn.com. Thank you. Have a great day.